Did you know that you can calculate the atmospheric temperature by using a cricket? Yes, it is true, and I can even give you the formula if you like. But did you also know that dogs can sense a coming storm? Did you know that sharks can sense an approaching hurricane? And some animals are capable of genetic adaptation in less than five years. All of these things are true simply because animals, and even plants, are much more attuned to the environment than the average human. As humans, we have long since mastered the art of manipulating our environment, but living life according to the weather is far more sustainable. To get the full scoop, then listen to this episode called Life According to the Weather. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode number 57, which is called Life According to the Weather. Arguably, for better or for worse, we humans have long since mastered the art of manipulating our environment. Consequently, we are far less attuned to the environment and far less adaptable than most animals and even plants. The common cricket is a perfect example of just how attuned some critters are to their environment. There actually is a relationship between the cricket's chirp and the environmental temperature and it is called Dobear's Law. Named after the American physicist Amos Dobear who published an article on the topic in 1897 called the cricket as thermometer. The basic explanation is that the cricket is a cold-blooded animal and with an increase in environmental temperature there is a corresponding increase in the cricket's metabolism. Consequently there is more energy available for muscular activity and in this case chirping. Dr. Dobear spent hours observing the snowy tree cricket to come up with his equation. And it is believed to be accurate within one degree using the common field cricket. And here's how it works. Count the number of chirps that you hear in 15 seconds, add 37, and the sum is equal to the approximate environmental temperature in degrees Fahrenheit. And I do have a link to this article in the transcript for this episode if you want the actual formula. Scientists also think that dogs can sense a change in barometric pressure with a coming storm, and so they behave differently and maybe they even start to hide. Researchers were tracking the behavior of a group of sharks 
during severe weather events and noted that they would swim to much deeper water with an approaching hurricane. Birds and bees also seem to be able to sense this change in barometric pressure as they seem to seek protection of their nests and hives with an approaching storm. And when I lived in St. Kitts, I observed a very different type of adaptation. Now, St. Kitts has a nice volcanic cone, which is an elevation of 1,156 meters, which is about 3,792 feet. And it's truly amazing to see the transformation of plant life as you go from the coast up to the top of the mountains. Now, the coastline is somewhat arid and there's a lot of trees and thorns and you can even see some cactus but you can even see an occasional manchineal tree which is one of the most poisonous trees in the world and if you stand under it while it's raining the sap from the tree burns like acid but when you go to the top of the mountains the jungle literally looks as if you are walking through Jurassic Park so this is a perfect example of how plants live in specific climate zones that are suitable for their survival. And interestingly enough, biologists and various other scientists are now noticing obvious changes and adaptations in various plants and animal species due to climate change. So what we know is that any change in climate in a particular area can and often does affect the plants and animals in that location and the entire ecosystem for that matter. For example, climate change, and in our present case meaning warmer temperatures on average, alters the life cycle of plants and animals. As temperatures get warmer, plants will bloom earlier in the spring and stay active later in the fall. And in fact, I even noticed this at the cabin this year because I have never seen so many wildflowers still in bloom into late September and early October when it typically starts snowing in early October. Now maybe you have heard before about the concept of how everything on our planet is interconnected in some way and if you change one thing it affects something else well, allow me to give you just a few examples of this. The pied flycatchers in the Netherlands. These birds are still maintaining their normal migratory pattern from Africa to the Netherlands to breed. However, by the time they reach their destination, their staple food supply that they use to feed their young, which is the winter moth caterpillars, have already fed on the oak leaves that now sprout earlier and they have moved on. The end result is that the flycatcher population has declined by as much as 90% in some areas. Australia's endangered mountain pygmy possums are coming out of hibernation earlier due to earlier snowmelt. But their primary food supply, the bogon moths, are migrating to the mountains at their normal time which leaves the early emerging possums without their normal food supply. Caribou in Greenland are still migrating at their normal time, but they also have a diminished food supply due to Arctic spring growth starting 
26 days earlier than it did 10 years ago. And just to give one more example, because this is one that I love because I'm a scuba diver, researchers have discovered that some types of coral have begun to adapt to temperature changes in the ocean. Now, if you want more information about how coral is truly an important species, then go back and listen to episode 25, which is called The Keystone Life of Coral. Now, coral are truly very sensitive to increasing temperatures, which causes bleaching. And this happens when corals lose the algae that lives in their tissue and gives them the nice colors that we see. So this is a bad thing, of course, because coral and the algae have a nice cooperative relationship, which helps both species to survive. However, one study suggested that certain types of coral may be shifting to favor a species of algae, which is much more tolerant to temperature changes. But what is truly alarming is that these types of events are occurring all over the world, and there are many more examples. But for now, I have a link to an article that's titled 10 Species That Are Evolving Due to Climate Change, and it's published by the Smithsonian, and it talks about various species such as mosquitoes, squirrels, salmon, owls, as well as some others. And it's really quite an interesting article, so go check it out. Now, as far as people are concerned, you know, we have certainly become masters at manipulating our own environment in various ways to our advantage, but instead of being attuned to our environment, we choose to manipulate it, and we have done this for thousands of years. Little did we know that our environmental manipulation would have far-reaching and unpredictable effects. For example, when we clear land for agriculture, timber, and paper production, when we build a dam on a river for water storage and power production, while these things seem advantageous, we are not only affecting the local environment, but multiple other ecosystems. Because when a dam is built, of course, less water flows downstream, which of course affects that ecosystem. And of course, another good example is the first electrical powered air conditioning unit was designed in 1902 by a man named Willis Carrier. That was of course followed by rapid development by numerous other folks, and in 1940, only 1 in 400 U.S. homes had air conditioning, but by 2016, roughly 87% of U.S. homes had central heat and air. And of course, there has been a whole evolution of cooling agents used in air conditioners and refrigerators because of ozone damage. And you'll love this one. In 2019, Engineers at the University of Missouri designed a wearable air conditioning which works passively by reflecting solar heat and allowing the body to dissipate heat naturally. But you know, there was a time when people were much more attuned to the environment. And in fact, prior to the development of agriculture, many cultures migrated in order to survive. As the weather changed from season to season, 
they moved to a more favorable location or they followed their food source such as large herds of animals as the Native Americans followed the buffalo herds. Or they, of course, moved their herd animals around according to the season. But you know, this is the type of thing that animals have done since the dawn of time. Animals seem to have a natural balance with the environment and populations wax and wane. And provided there is no human interference, there is a balanced ecosystem. And I think humanity and the environment, of course, would greatly benefit if we all lived our lives according to the weather. With living off the grid the way that we do, you know, what the weather is doing, it has a direct impact on what chores I can do for the day. The time of year has a direct impact on the hours of sunlight. Consequently, in the winter, with shorter days, I'm much more mindful of electricity usage. During the winter, the water system we use is converted to strictly indoor system because otherwise things would freeze. The weather also impacts me directly when I use my travel trailer for business. I truly have to pay attention to the temperature and sunlight hours because the travel trailer runs strictly off of solar during the day and I plug it into a 30 amp power source at night but I also use retractable window shades, insulated window covers, and take full advantage of natural lighting in order to manipulate the indoor temperature and greatly reduce my use of propane. And in fact, I have fine-tuned my system now to the point that I use about 50% less propane. But I also think that this is far more trouble than what most people are willing to undertake. Because what most people would rather do is push a button, turn a dial, and flip a switch and instantly get what they want. But what most people do not realize is that since we do not live our life according to the weather, we are now literally affecting the interconnected web of life on this planet. And it will soon come to bear that humanity itself will be affected. It will come to the point that it impacts our lifestyle, our social structure, and even our very culture. And of course, I am going to tell you why you should be concerned about this. The study of relationships between environmental conditions and biological processes is called phenology. Examples of this include the date of emergence of leaves and flowers, the first flight of butterflies, the date of egg laying of birds and reptiles, the life cycles of honeybees, the date of leaf color changes in the fall, or the first appearance of migratory birds. And these are just a few examples of life cycles that are affected by environmental conditions. But to continue this line of thought, Birds time their nesting so that insect populations are available to feed their young. Correspondingly, the emergence of insects is quite often synchronized with the spring leaf out of the host plants. And this is directly from the website of the National Phenology Network. Phenology influences the abundance and distribution of organisms, ecosystem services, 
food webs, and global cycles of water and carbon. Now, you know, this may be one of those things of, you know, you're thinking about now, well, who cares about all of that? But there is actually a tremendous practical application to phenology. Because it includes predictions of human health concerns, such as allergy seasons or mosquito season. It helps to manage invasive species, optimizing the timing of planting, fertilizing, and even harvesting crops, and understanding the timing of ecological processes to assess the vulnerability of species and ecological communities. Now, when things fall out of sync, this is known as phase effects or phenological mismatch. But the reason that this is a concern is that it can lead to complete disruption of crop and natural pollination. It can change animal migratory patterns. It can cause outbreaks of pest species and disease carriers. And it can lead to species starvation and extinction. In 2007, there was a study that was published by Ecology Letters. And the study revealed that there had been a drastic reduction in food supply to over 50% of the 1,430 natural pollinators that were studied. Now, this raises the possibility of a devastating extinction process that has largely gone ignored. And that is the extinction of ecological interactions that are responsible for a vital ecosystem service which is the pollination of plants. This could easily lead to the extinction of more than 25% of plant and animal species in the next 100 years. And not only that, this could lead to decreased food production, undernutrition, increased hunger, higher food prices, and a complete loss of any sort of food security. And all because we do not want to live life according to the weather, which of course is by far much more sustainable. So if you really think about this, what would our country be like if everyone had to live life according to the weather? Well, I can tell you that huge portions of the desert southwest would be uninhabited. Cities such as Tucson, Phoenix, and Las Vegas, and maybe even Los Angeles would most likely not even be there. Other portions of the country may completely close down in the winter due to extreme cold. Food production and agriculture would completely shift. We would be forced to eat what was in season instead of depending on what was imported. And the entire basis of our economy would fundamentally shift. Now, you may think that that's a bit drastic, but are these not the very things that we are going to have to do in order to deal with all the changes in our world that have already taken place? Because if we don't pay attention, climate change is going to continue to be a slow, insidious, decisive serial killer that stalks species after species until we witness another mass extinction. But 
unlike the salmon that can alter their migration. The coral that can alter the algae species that are used for their nutrition. The tropical fish and the gloomy octopus in Australia that are moving further south towards Tasmanian waters. Or the species of yeast that can genetically adapt to harsh conditions in just 25 generations. Or the mosquitoes that change their hibernation patterns in as little as five years. We humans are not going to fare so well. And it is all because we are so incredibly slow to change and we insist on manipulating the environment instead of just learning to live life according to the weather. So you may not be willing to buy a cricket instead of a thermometer, and I certainly would not depend on the groundhog to predict the coming of spring, but you can certainly make changes in your own lifestyle and be more sustainable. But, like the tanker ship that takes 15 minutes to stop, the locomotive that takes over a mile to come to a stop, the inertia of our society is not going to stop in an instant. Yet, we need to desperately take steps to put the brakes on because it will likely take decades to come to a full stop. I often get into discussions with friends about the principles of sustainability and renewable energy, and I often say that you had better learn to live sustainably today because tomorrow you might not have a choice. Similarly, we had all better learn to live life according to the weather because with the rapid onset of changes in our world, tomorrow we may not have a choice. And always remember folks, I often have a list of numerous resources in the transcript of my episodes and the same as with this with this episode as well. And there's quite a bit of interesting reading there, so don't forget to download the transcript and take advantage of that. And as always, if you have enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast as well as my companion blog off-grid living news so that is it for this week folks this is your host patrick signing off until next week always remember to live sustainably because this is how we build a better future